Maybe I think we should be grateful. Grateful that we've managed to survive through all of our adventures. Whether they were real or only a dream. Hello, and welcome to Mark as Played, the movie podcast on movie podcasts, where we select for you two other great shows you should be listening to that in some way inspire our discussion on the film we're talking about today, which is Eyes Wide Shut. And we have pretty much the whole gang together, as this will be our holiday special for the year. And we are discussing Christmas movies that remove the family, that add just a touch of darkness to the characters' plights and their respective films. Hopefully you don't find this very freewheeling conversation to be particularly dark, as we do our best to dive into Eyes Wide Shut as the greatest Christmas movie of all time. Alongside Home Alone and It's a Wonderful Life. Happy holidays and enjoy this episode. Alright, let's jump into it. Okay. So welcome everybody for a Christmas episode. And Christmas, as everybody knows, is organized chaos. Uh, if you've seen that film, uh, Trisha or Krisha with uh, her and the turkey, which I know was Thanksgiving, but essentially she was having a real stressful time with the turkey. Uh, consider me as Krisha and uh, the turkey in this analogy is this podcast, Marcus Played. Uh, while I try and um, organize and chaos, you know, the chaos that is around uh, these five other people that are on this show with me. Look, there's a lot of people, Hiro, Jason, Mike, and Jess as well. Uh which is all fantastic. Sorry, I had to have a look to make sure I get everybody's name and everything correctly. So if you all want to say hello and welcome, I'm going to try and uh, keep you guys organized as you discuss Christmas movies and what it means to be, uh, you know, Christmas in some regards. Alongside Eyes Wide Shut, apparently. <laughs> hello? <laughs> if anybody wants to say hello. I mean, hello. 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 Great. Fantastic. I felt like uh, Andrew so, just really dismissed this entire episode already, right at the jump before we were even allowed to speak. <laughs> what the fuck's he talking about? We're talking about Turkey already. I don't understand? I've not seen that film, well, but uh, I'm sure it was great, Andrew. The Turkey movie that you're you referencing. Seen... Yes, the Turkey movie. The the guy worked real hard to to make this film about turkeys, just like we're working real hard to get this podcast out to people uh, and get their interest in. Christmas films up. So, Mike, when this uh, episode was decided, you were the guy that essentially said, hey, let's talk about Eyes Wide Shut. So right. I, I want to pose the question to you, first of all, wh why? I think it explains why? itself, really. <laughs> if you've seen the movie, I think, what do you mean? It's a Christmas movie. There are lights. Got a they're complex they're uh, buying presents. They're ignoring their child while they talk about their sexual <laughs> fantasies. I just assumed that was everyone's Christmas growing up as a child. <laughs> Anybody else? Was that? Can you relate to Mike's Christmas of growing up? Uh, you know, really, being a, a disregarded child. I didn't really have a lot of um, 
Christmases that involved sex parties and masks and capes and stuff like that. Uh, so I really never considered this a Christmas movie. I will say that uh, I guess the finale of the film where you know nothing really soothes the giant argument like going into New York City into a toy store with a seven-year-old. You know, nothing really brings the family together, you know, heals all those wounds like that does. I, th- I think that's probably the, the most relatable part of the film for me. What about you, Jason? You've got kids. Do you usually <laughs> take them to? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, this way. <laughs> Do you usually take them to New York, you know, yeah. and, and essentially uh, let your steam off? I take them to see their grandparents, and we, we very seldom watch Eyes Wide Shut uh, all together. Uh, it turns into something possibly weird in the – I don't know. But anyway, um, I don't know. I was I was kind of weirded out by the fact that Mike chose this as a Christmas movie. As I was saying a little bit earlier, it's kind of that diehard complex where it's something that happens during Christmas, but I don't necessarily equate it with something that is Christmas. However – I don't know. I, what the fuck do you want me to say about this? <laughs> uh, I okay. It's a good movie. <laughs> it's a good movie. All right. So Jess, Stanley yeah. Kubrick would be so happy. <laughs> Decades later, it's good. It's a good movie. <laughs> well, there you go. For his last film, he really has finally made it as a filmmaker that he's gotten the tick that he made a good movie, just the one, yeah. uh, and a good Christmas movie at that as well. Uh, to challenge all the other Christmas films that are out there. So, Jesse, besides it being a good film, what what about you for Christmas? Is this a film that you would sit down and say, all right, I'm going to sit down and watch Eyes Wide Shut with my family? And, you know, it's a long film, that's for sure. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And believe it or not, I actually just watched it for the very first time, like for this show. (laughs) You're welcome. My Christmas present Uh, to you. Thank you so much. I audibly, okay, it's rare that I like audibly engage with a film when I'm watching it, but I just groaned at one point. I just, ugh, God. Should we ask what point that was? Uh, Yeah, it's definitely when Nicole Kidman's got a really weird voice in her head and she's talking about Bill's dicky or like whatever she was doing. Oh, and she was high. Yeah, that was a good part though. Oh my God. But I was like, oh, no, please. I hope that I've never sounded like that in any conversation ever. And it was just horrifying. I like physically recoiled. But besides that, no, I mean, I love assigning Christmas meaning to movies that take place around Christmas that aren't necessarily about Christmas. Um, and in that regard, oddly, I'm, this might be a Christmas rewatch for me. <laughs> like, just kind of keep watching it until it makes complete sense to me. I mean, it feels like... Okay. Uh, putting it up against the holidays is a good thing to do. Um, but yeah, I don't consider it a Christmas movie, but maybe that will change in time. Well, I mean, if I could jump in just quickly, it could be yeah. a Christmas movie just in the, in the sense that, you know, a lot of people hang around in terms of like, if we look at dysfunctional families, you know, a lot of the time you're gathering a series of people together that on a normal basis, I mean, we're lucky that we get to pick our friends, but sometimes families don't necessarily gel well together. And Kubrick is kind of exploring a little bit of that as well. I mean, if you look at the family that's in the, um, just the, um, uh, I think he's a Russian father with his daughter. What kind of Christmas are they spending? You know, the fact that you have a, <laughs> just a productive a, <laughs> one. It's all about that money. <laughs> well, financially, make that, make I guess, that money. Yes, yeah. way. but at the same time, you, if you look at the Harfords, that's a pretty odd Christmas, and I'm positive. I mean, if we take the whole sex element out of it, a lot of the Christmases kind of resemble that. There's a little bit of weirdness, 
in all the Christmas gatherings that I've been to in terms of families. I mean, perhaps not with my parents, but if I like the extended family are all there, you're always kind of looking for what to say. You know, you don't really have much in common. You're like, all right, well, you know, it's nice to see you tomorrow. I'm leaving. Bye. I don't Is really there such a thing as a normal Christmas? I mean, I know that I don't I haven't had one since I don't know any anytime. It's always a dysfunction with the family of some sort. You know, my yeah. parents are divorced. You know, I have multiple um, things going on. <laughs> So you know, like the it's Russian always, family, not quite like the Russian family. <laughs> Everywhere, everybody's wearing masks. My Christmases and... are a little, a little off kilter sometimes, but you know, we make the best of them, don't we? I mean, we just kind of try to piecemeal them into some sort of box or something, and and ha- make the best of it. So, I mean, I guess you know, you could open that aperture a little bit and and maybe try to include it as a Christmas movie. But uh, I think I'm with Jesse here. This is definitely doesn't really encapsulate what my Christmas is. So reading between the lines there, you're essentially saying that most positive Christmas films are fantasy films in some regards because they don't reflect the the real experience of Christmas. Is that correct? Throwing it out to the group. Mike is just sitting there thinking, whoa, this is. Well, okay. I'll I'll answer that before Hiro jumps in. uh, And this will be my final thought. I promise. Uh, I probably never really thought of it as a Christmas movie at first. In fact, I hated this movie when I watched it as a teenager. I thought it was, uh, to what Jesse pointed out, I thought Nicole Kidman was terrible. Like I thought Tom Cruise hmm. was okay, uh, and he's playing a very Tom Cruise guy. Like He's got that really overbearing laugh and smile. Like Just the way he interacts with his old college buddy just seems a bit excessive and weird, which if you've ever seen like Tom Cruise in an interview, it just seems like Tom Cruise. But Nicole Kidman, I couldn't figure out. But this is this movie has become like one of my favorites of all time. Like, and I just kept going yeah. back to it. And it's one of the rare ones that I did absolutely despise initially. <clears throat> but what I really like about the dynamic between the two characters, the the Hartfords, is that you know what Nicole Kidman's character is so frustrated with, and I can see it as sort of a Christmas movie in this regard, is that her husband is not comfortable like asking for anything. Like, and around the Christmas time, it's it's this weird transactional thing where, especially with kids, they ask Santa for gifts. So it's this imaginary middleman that they're asking their parents, give me this stuff. But it's a polite way of doing so by having this Santa figure. But with adults, you don't you don't have that anymore. And so when she gets high, she's basically saying, here's a, here's a fantasy, here's a dream that I had. I'm going to share it with you. And he just sits there, just like a lump on a log and gets a phone call mm. and he has that great line where he says, I have to go show my face to someone, but that's, it's really all he is. He's just, he's just like a body who just shows up and smiles and shakes hands and has never really offered anything up. And so the rest of the movie is him sort of battling it out in his mind. What do I want? And even there's that sequence with the prostitute that propositions him. And when she asks him what he wants, he can't even tell a prostitute what he wants from her, even though, you know, the game there, he's just like, what do you recommend? Which is one of the corniest, like most odd things to say, I think to prostitute, like, well, you tell me what's on the menu. What you like about the sexual (laughs) favors that you perform on other people. He seems like a, like a big bag of failure throughout the whole movie, in particular. I wouldn't go that far, but, uh, well, I mean, he seems to be living a good life and all that stuff, but you see him throughout his motions, you know, he, he can't handle the question from the prostitute. When he's, uh, you know, trying to initiate making love with his wife, she's looking off to the side and having a fantasy about somebody else. Like she clearly like turns her face and right after the initial party, 
Um, he's clearly a failure at the uh, at the masquerade ball. <laughs> he didn't really pan out there. Mistakes just, were made. Mistakes maybe were made maybe the taxi wasn't the best idea, but whatever. But it, it all revolves around her. Uh, yeah, the taxi's a bad choice, but uh, you know, maybe it's just a it's just a, a look at his his never ending failure, and, and and that's a lot of a lot comes down to um, his indecision. You know, he's 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 an indecisive guy. Doesn't know what he wants. It's all driven by this kind of fragile ego of his, where he's trying to, you know, woo women and and do all this crazy stuff, almost in revenge to what his wife told him. You know, he then when when you first see him really getting to flirt with the two women at the at the initial party, it's because he's kind of looked over and seen his wife with this cheeseball Hungarian dude who's throwing out the worst lines known to man. And uh, it's kind of steamrolled to that. If she tells him the fantasy, he goes off and he has this wild adventure. He just seems like a fragile, a fragile dude who's who's out to kind of, you know, undermine his marriage or prove his manhood or something by like, all these conquests, which you just can't. He can't close the deal. He's just terrible at it. See, I just see him as so a guy with no imagination. Man? That's 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 the biggest sin of this character. Is he just he can't imagine anything. He can't imagine his wife having any sort of desires because we're married. That's his line. We're married now. So everything's well, set a, I think stone. it's a matter of perspective, isn't it? I mean, which kind of segues me into the podcast that I brought to the table. It's a matter of perspective. Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> well, I got to fit it in somehow. <laughs> well, be- before you do, before you do, Jason's got a point to bring up about uh, Well, I was something. just trying to, you know, I was talking about dysfunctional family usually comes from the fact that there's a lack of communication. And lack of communication is usually tied to persona, who you actually want people to see you as versus who you really are. And I think that in marriages such as the one that we see in the Harfords, we have that disconnect that's been there. They've been kind of living two personas of maybe, quote unquote, satisfied people, but clearly not satisfied. So what Jesse was saying a little bit earlier with regards to how the the pitch of the voice goes up and stuff like that, we slowly start to see her kind of become who she actually is in the same way as when uh, Tom Cruise, you know, the Harper character, he actually goes out into society and tries to become someone else, try to find who he is. That's why he asked the prostitute, you know, what's the kind of thing that you like? Because he doesn't necessarily know what he likes. Going to that party is kind of, you know, the fact that they're wearing masks, then that the true persona actually comes out in those people and they actually show people who they really are underneath. So I thought that was kind of fun with mixing in with, Bringing back to what I was saying, the idea that when we actually meet up together in terms of a family, we're putting on a, a facade whenever we're actually having a discussion. We don't necessarily talk to these people about who we are, what our real problems are or anything like that. I remember when I was a kid, my, my, uh, my dad once told me uh, – um, when someone asked me how I was doing, I was like, ah, I'm not doing too good today. My dad kind of just whacked me upside the head and he said – like once the guy left, obviously, you don't want to do that in public. And he says, just tell him you're fine and shut the fuck up. You know? He says, you talk to me about your problems. You don't talk to other people. And I, when I was watching Eyes Wide Shut, that whack upside the head kind of just played back into my head. And I was like, look at that. These people aren't being – they aren't earnest with the people around them and that can't be earnest amongst themselves. And I think that kind of does hit home with regards to Christmas, especially when your extended family's there, everything is supposed to be happy, go lucky, joyful. Everyone's together. And at the same time, you know, that someone somewhere on the drive home away from Christmas, do you know what that bitch told me at the table the other night? She was talking about that fucker. And it's just, you know, life just kicks right back in. And so I feel like, when we're watching Eyes Wide Shut, that idea of personas that we're actually trying to do would come out in a time like Christmas. So I wanted to just tie it back to what Mike was saying. Okay. 
Before we get too dark, then, and, and regressing <laughs> to deep, dark childhood secrets, let's hear what Hyro's uh, podcast edition is uh, as well. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I was kind of going into this whole thing about perspective. Uh, the way Tom Cruise looks at Nicole Kidman and he thinks that she would never cheat on him and blah, blah, blah. He, he perceives her to almost not be a working, functioning human being without lusts or desires or wants and anything like that. And she almost scoffs and looks down at him. So they have a different pers- way they perceive each other. And I think that that really applies to Home Alone, where uh, the Flicks podcast were recently – or not really recently. It's kind of an old episode, but they were reviewing Home Alone. And- Maybe that's just me because when I saw this movie, I was a kid. Uh-huh. And, of course, the the mean mom is the villain. And so you're like, yeah, screw, screw the mean mom. She's mean. Because <laughs> when you're a kid, you're totally siding with Kevin. You're like, yeah, she's mean. Yeah. They're not seeing what he, what we see. Yeah. Like, he's he's getting crapped on, and all these adults are jerks. So the adults are just jerks. Every yeah. All the adults in this movie, jerks that you don't like. So it seems, but actually, again, watching this, I'm like, wait a second. Kevin is kind of a turd in this movie. No, that's because it, now you're seeing it from the perspective of an adult. Yeah. It's like, back in second, the day, you know? back in the day when you're a kid, you're watching it, you're totally on Kevin's side. Oh, yeah. And so when I watch it now, I'm still – there's remnants of that, yeah, me and Kevin, man, that's yeah. that's my boy kind of yeah. idea. Like I I do see it now when I watch it that obviously he's a little bit of a brat yeah. and uh, the mother is definitely being very motherly. And when you got to discipline your children, so you got to do it kind of thing. Yeah. But back in the day, you were on Kevin's side. Yeah. And parents the, always the bad And guys. the parents were the bad guys. Yeah. And now that you're older, you're seeing it a little bit more right. balanced. Exactly. But there's still that hint still yeah. in there because we grew up with this movie that sure. Kevin's a good guy, parents <laughs> are the bad guys. Talking about how when you watch this film as a kid, you root for uh, Macaulay Culkin's character, right? You look, you see those parents as being assholes and being mean to him and blah, blah, blah. And you uh, revel in his revolt uh, against them. But then, you know, as an adult, particularly for myself and now that I have kids – I, I watch Home Alone and I just think it's good parenting. And they had that same perspective. Like, this is, really? This is just good parenting. You got to you got to come down hard sometimes. Hmm. I'm still on Culkin's side, man. Andrew, yeah. do you, Andrew, do you want to redirect maybe uh, Jesse? Because uh, Jason and Hyro are bringing some serious darkness here. I brought Eyes Wide Shut, which is a sex party. So I thought I brought yeah, the Jesse light. Jesse was nodding. I think she agrees with my parenting skills here. Sometimes you got to. You know. I'm not so sure about that. Jesse's eyes there was very much like, uh, what? Who who is siding with these parents who willfully neglect their kids? Is that is aside that the case? From leaving them and why they go to France? Aside from that, uh, I honestly think that they're kind of all garbage. Like Kevin is a terrible <laughs> little child. And yeah. listen, oh, I thought like you were talking about us for a second. I thought you were just talking about everyone on this podcast. <laughs> you're all garbage people. So I'm gonna get off now. But no, like honestly, it's it's the it's the holidays. It's everyone's, you know, fussy. Everyone's kind of fighting with somebody else. Everyone doesn't like that one cousin. And um, he loses it, as most kids will do. And you usually have to, like, let kids have that room to kind of lose it. And some parents will handle it and some won't. And I don't think you can really fault them for handling it, you know, bringing the foot down, like, no, you're going to go sleep in the attic, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um <laughs> So even when I was a kid, I was kind of like, you know, you're being a dick to your parents. You know, like, I don't know. I was always tried what, to what, be a health, helpful child. You know what I mean? What? I'm sorry. What, what about these uh, two poor men that get abused by this child? How, how did you feel about them as a kid? Uh, well, I have uh, complicated feelings about Daniel Stern for quite some time. But yeah, um, let's dive into that. I, 
I don't know. I definitely thought... You'd be smiling in the darkness there, Mike. (laughs) Talk about that. (laughs) If I was listening to this podcast, I'd be like, that's what I want to hear. Stanley Kubrick, (laughs) enough of that. (laughs) This is more interesting. Literally just go through my Facebook and, you know, figure out my taste in men, and you'll be like, that was formative and weird for you. I understand. I'm going to do that right now while you're talking. Keep going. Oh, God. So anyway. (laughs) Mike's checking it out, too. (laughs) How far back do I have to scroll here? Very far back. Very far back. Anyway, so, I mean, they clearly deserve it. You know what I mean? It's like, these are criminals. And I don't know why they keep having to go after the big tuna. Clearly someone's home. Clearly there's a kid there. Like, what kind of scoundrels, you know what I mean, would go after a kid at Christmas and when they have, like, these unending resources of these houses with all this stuff. And I don't know. Like, I definitely think they, they deserve everything that they get. But my kids and I... Well, my older kid and I play a game when we watch Home Alone. Every time something happens, we specify whether or not that would have killed them. (laughs) So so it's just, yeah, it is. It's like, okay, now do you think that he would go to the hospital or do you think he'd be dead? He's like, oh, yeah, he's definitely dead with like the brick. (laughs) That's a fun game. Yeah, it's fun. (laughs) How much damage is this causing? How much much heat can you stand there? Absolutely. But uh, so anyway, like Kevin's not the greatest kid, but kids are allowed to not be the greatest. That's, you know, the essence of being a kid. The parents aren't the greatest. But again, I think that parents need a little bit of wiggle room where there is no wiggle room. How the fuck do you forget your child? Like Minor really was, just how do you flaw. forget them? There's a lot of counting involved, and you know the the management team that was put in charge there, I believe, which was another child, a teenager, uh, dropped the ball on that yeah. one. Yeah, another kid. It's like, how are you like relying on another kid to make sure that everyone's getting on this plane? Like, I just recently uh, traveled and flew, and I was up half the night. I got no sleep because I was just double checking my freaking suitcase. I can't even imagine leaving a kid behind. Well, you see that in a suitcase. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, he fit quite snugly, actually. You know, it was great. He was a carrier. It's on our Facebook feed, Jason. Come on, get with it. There's All pictures. All right, yeah. sorry, man. <laughs> I, I was I was about to say this is this is problems that uh, both Mike and I won't have, uh, as we both don't have children. We do have dogs, but um, uh, nonetheless, thing. we yeah, same it's thing. Close. Same, same it's thing. close. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, so the positivity of Home Alone. What what kind of drives it? Like you know this this ruthless child beating up these adults. Uh, Easy just, now. He's he's playing a defensive game. I mean it's you know he didn't go out and start terrorizing street criminals. He's not Batman. I mean it's just his home. No, Batman lives in front with a shovel. He's like a vigilante or something. He's just out there just beating people randomly. I'm sorry, but he starts off in the suburbs and then Home Alone 2. He heads to New York and okay. does it all over That's again. a fair point on that one. I'll grant you the, yeah, the sequels. And that's what Jesse has. She's got Tim Curry. In fairness, didn't he 2. attack Donald Trump in the in the second one, in the sequel? <laughs> the city, like, he, come after uh, And poor Kathy uh, Bates right. with a Trump pigeons. walks through the lobby. Kevin could have sure taken does. him out. I know. He's so a failure. Horrible. Again, more failure. This time from Home Alone. Oh. I believe that really Kevin is just making America great again. That's all he's doing. But you know, Pigeon lady. one one criminal at a time. That's all he's doing. <laughs> no, not really. Let's uh, let's. I'm supposed to be running this thing, aren't I? Um, let's try Whoa. and get this back on track. So, <laughs> back to the sex party. Is that what it is? Yeah, back, back to the, back to the, you know uh, Christmas in New York with eyes wide shut. Um, somebody else. Uh, what was the other podcast that somebody else brought along? 
I believe I did, it was, but it's uh, not on uh, Eyes Wide Shut, though. So yeah, yeah. Well, uh, all right. While I'm supposed to be hosting this thing, um, I just want to bring in something that both Mike and I did. Uh, I dragged you onto a show to discuss uh, the proposition last year, which I mentioned as a Christmas film, uh, simply because it occurs at Christmas and it's the most joyous uh, Christmas film of all, uh, mm-hmm. Australian Christmas film, because it occurs in the uh, the heat of summer. Celebrate Christmas down there. Uh, we do in a very strange way. Ask Emily Watson. Um, she can tell you all about it. Uh, but essentially I, what I'm trying to say is that, you know, the dark kind of uh, Christmas films, Home Alone, Eyes Wide Shut, Proposition, Die Hard, these more explosive kinds of Christmas films, we seem to gravitate to them more. I haven't seen A Christmas Story, the one with the little kid and the uh, the light with the the foot uh, but i understand that's also dark um, to- <laughs> i love that description of it the light with the foot <laughs> it's the best thing i can think of uh but i want to know happened during christmas as well yeah um, what is it why do we gravitate towards these dark stories for christmas stories Mike, I mean, I, I think you brought something positive. Well, I'm not the parent here, so I probably shouldn't speak to this, but I would imagine that there's going to be some feelings of resentment and bitterness. Uh, Hiro sort of alluded to, uh, especially if, and I am a, a product of divorce, if you're trying to manage sort of all the, the time spent with the family or spending too much time here or not enough time there, there's the, the sense of guilt, I guess, and a bit of shame that comes up because uh, we have decided to pick this as like our Super Bowl of like family time and that's it's just that's not cool. realistic and um that's one thing with eyes wide shut that they it's probably why it's uh this like inner turmoil between two characters because we don't see like any other we just see a child a little red-headed child and their problems are probably greatly removed from most families problems at least around christmas time the fact that Tom Cruise just can come home and have his budweiser at night and then think about his wife's sex fancies this, you know, this is not Four Christmases with uh, Vince Vaughn and uh, Reese Witherspoon, thank God. But I, I think that there's that's what Eyes Watch tries to touch on a little bit is just this the feelings of resentment that come up, whether it's you know financial problems or just dealing with in laws you don't have to deal with. We mentioned Trump, unfortunately, because you know every movie podcast is eventually going to mention Donald Trump. Thank you, Hiro, for featuring a film starring him and another little blonde headed boy who's far too rich and far too uh, warmongering. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think that, you know, Christmas, there's, there is that stress and you see a lot of people posting about, you know, here's what the true meaning of Christmas should be, but no one really follows that because, you know, those people don't throw cool orgy parties. So, you know, we, we, we want all of that, but we don't want to have to deal with the pressures. I had no idea that that was the true meaning of Christmas. I've been lost all along. I didn't well, realize that that was the true meaning. Sidney Pollack seems pretty happy. You know, if Tom Cruise would just get with it and keep his mouth shut, uh, like Jason Michael's family upbringing, just keep your damn mouth shut. Here's some scotch. <laughs> you had a nice orgy party. <laughs> now be quiet about it. Don't mess with it. And revive the dead hooker. Don't forget that part. You know, make sure you... you... She has to get home in time for her family. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize Canadians had such a dark sense of humor. I've just heard how nice they are. <laughs> My God. 
it's it's those French Canadians you got to be uh, careful of. They, you know. I'm not a French Canadian. I happen to speak French and live in Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> but all right, let me let me. I'll switch gears to something. Let's get back to America. You know, the, the greatest country. Um, <laughs> the only country. The uh, the yeah, podcast I, I chose. Big party there. Well, you know, give us give us a few years. You know, we'll, we'll get this thing back on track, and then a few years later, we'll fuck it up again. That's you know, it's like the Matrix Reloaded. That's that's America. Um, <laughs> the podcast I was bringing up uh, talked about I, uh, it's a wonderful life, which you know, Capricorn. Uh, I think people have an idea of it as far as like, oh, that's like the old timey uh, traditional values of like you know, family and the holiday spirit. But you know. Uh, on the broken brain with Dwight Hurst, which is a great, great show um, that occasionally featured uh, movies. Uh, it goes into a little bit deeper, like these, these feelings and um, you know, how art can be therapeutic for people. And so to answer your question from, I don't know, a half hour ago, as far as why we, we look to the darker material for Christmas, you know, it's a wonderful life is an extremely dark film. This is one of the uh, sort of perfect holiday movies that has survived over years and years and years. As I said before, it was made in the 40s, and it still survives. And we're going to talk about some of the reasons why, uh, especially from a psychological perspective, the things that we identify with that this movie uh, brings to us. A lot of emotions uh, that, that it obviously portrays and brings out. And I will say that this time of year is a time of year where we delve into lots of different emotions, uh, not all positive, by the way. Obviously, there's the joy of the holiday season. There's the excitement of family. There's all sorts of things that we delve into that are pleasant. Uh, but, you know, there's also expectations and stress and hardship and finances and, 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 and resolutions and things where we question our life. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of things. Even going back to the days before Christmas was Christmas, when it was just uh, in days where there were more pagan ceremonies and celebration of lights that, uh, that happened midwinter uh, from what, what I've read and what I understand, a lot of those celebrations really just focused on the idea that, hey, here we are in the middle of winter, so let's let's try to you know put up some lights and celebrate that we're all not dead. We all haven't frozen to death and starved to death yet, and we're going to make it until the world is warm again and not, not trying to kill us quite so much. Um, so there you go. It's an emotional time of year. It's something that is uh, at the same time dark and bright. Uh, it's about a guy. It has a very nice ending uh, and a very sentimental one. But for the most part, it is about a guy uh, contemplating how his existence has ruined any and everything. He has taken on the burdens of his fellow man, his his whole town. And placed it on him simply being there has made things so much worse. And someone has to come in and correct him on that and say, you know, your life has value and it's added value to other other people. But I think that most people only remember that part, you know, that he's like, hey, you're a pretty good dude. They don't remember that, you know, for 30, 40 minutes of it, it is Jimmy Stewart contemplating ending his own existence because he's awful. And I don't know, maybe maybe that, that balance is what we're looking for at Christmas. I think there is probably a rejection of the niceties of Christmas. And even modern Christmas movies like the comedies are a little like Bad Mom's Christmas, which Hyro says is the best of 2017. Um, pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, even they try to add a little bit of raunch to, I guess, demystify the holidays. But I think that's probably what we're looking for. We're looking for someone to take Christmas down a peg. That's why this podcast exists, this episode. <laughs> I I don't know where to go from there. Why are we taking Christmas down a peg? 
what has Christmas done to you? Where, where did show us on the Christmas doll where it touched you? I can like, show you some <laughs> some receipts, some bills that probably wouldn't exist without Christmas. So that's are they from that costume shop and eyes wide shut? I would never forget my mask, sir. How dare you? I would. <laughs> Actually, I just would never have taken it off when the, the when the red cloak says, uh, "Come forward, uh, remove your mask." Uh, no, I'm playing dumb entirely. I'm playing totally mute. Uh, so yeah, that would, it would have gone a completely this is different my way. face. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, what have happened? So for anybody else, what, you know, what kind of film do you put on uh, at Christmas time, Jesse? What do you sit down and watch with the the family at Christmas time, if anything at all? Well, I watch tons of Christmas movies and movies that take place around Christmas, and some of them are great, and some of them are just really cheesy, and I enjoy them anyway. But to kind of get to the root of the um, why we like dark things Christmas, Christmas I, I think one of the first uh, iterations of that is going to be A Christmas Carol. Because if you actually go into uh, the depths of it, it's a ghost story. Like, it's, it's a Christmas story, but it's also a ghost story. And it's about, you know, people who have died, people who have treated their fellow man horribly, children who are going to die. You know, it's, ve- it's all very life and death and dire. So it really brings you down to the point where Scrooge is just, you know, unscrewing, like, uncovering his own name on his tombstone and everything and just begging, what can I do? What can I do? Like, I mean, that takes you really, really down until it brings you right back up, showing you that, you know, he's fine and he gets a whole chance to experience Christmas and uh, spread the joy and true meaning of Christmas all over the place. And to that end, and to answer your other question, first movie that comes on, like on Thanksgiving, we watch planes, trains, and automobiles. And then the second that Thanksgiving meal is over, we can kick into Christmas, and it's always the Muppet Christmas Carol. Mm. Every time. The best version. So do you have that – is that running all the time? Like, because I, I mean, from Australia, we sit and watch cricket. Uh, that's That tends <laughs> oh, to be kind of like – Christmas is ruined. <laughs> <laughs> Party's over. I knew this was going to happen. There's always one guy that's too drunk at the Christmas party. It <laughs> just ruins the whole thing, and here he is. <laughs> Cricket. I, I I like how I, I mentioned the word cricket and Jason has immediately taken off he's his headphones gone. and he's he's oh. left. He's abandoned <laughs> everything. <laughs> um right. but yeah, so our perspective my perspective from down here, it's it's interesting. I'm learning quite a lot from uh down down under essentially, where I'm getting to see that uh, you know, the way that Americans and Canadians experience Christmas is a very much a an extended period of time. You know, you go whole hog into it and the whole of December, it's a lot like uh, October and you're sitting down and you, you're experiencing Christmas all month round. For us, we're like, oh, get that Christmas stuff out of the shops quickly. We do not want to see it at all. We are not interested in it. And to the same end, we don't have the Christmas shows uh, running constantly on TV or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, Hiro, what do you guys watch? Not cricket, I assume. I'm going to defer to Jason here. He looks like he's got quite the... Uh... The party yeah, going on here. Know. We're going to ask them because I, I what, what do you guys like watching during Christmas? I brought my two daughters just so that they can remind me what the hell we put on during Christmas. Do we have a specific <laughs> Christmas tradition? Because alone, what I do is I go through the whole Godfather trilogy, but I haven't shown them yet. It's a tradition that I have for myself that between Christmas and New Year's, I'll always put on the three Godfather movies sometime in there. And it's just something I've been doing for the last um, probably 10 years or some shit. But uh, what, what do you guys watch during Christmas? What do you guys uh, like to watch? Do you watch anything specific? Not really. We watch Elf. Elf? Okay, yeah. Elf. We, that one would be good. Rudolph, the 1964 Rudolph. one. Yeah. yeah. You guys have never seen Batman Returns, yeah? 
What about any Stanley Kubrick movies? Did I watch any Stanley Kubrick movies? <laughs> Have you guys seen any of Kubrick's films? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. I was expecting Full oh, Metal shit. Jacket as the Christmas. Do you remember anything? Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. Nightmare Before Christmas. What about one? the one yeah. with the lamp and a foot? <laughs> no, I, I I think this is a terrible film. I saw. So I don't want to show them. I, I, yeah. So nothing really. You guys don't remember? What else did we watch? No. Little Drummer Boy, the Tin Guy. Or whatever. I never no? watched that. We have a Christmas collection. Home yeah. Alone. Yeah, I watched. Yeah. That. Do you think that Kevin is a prick kid, or do you understand his his the way he is right now? <laughs> is Kevin okay? Is he allowed to be ragging on his parents like that? Do you understand his plight throughout the movie? Can, can you ask them whether they would do what Kevin did if okay. they were in his situation? Andrew's in Australia right now, okay? So you have to yeah. speak, speak slowly. <laughs> Get over here. <laughs> he wants to know that in Home Alone, if I were to leave you here, would you act the same way he acts? Well, if there were... Like... Does that mean destroying the house? Yes, it means destroying the house. No. No, no. no? And Why? Is it because you're afraid of dad? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. I, like I put it. the kids on the spot. They don't know what they're doing anymore. Yeah, I think they, they need to talk to someone else other than their father asking, are you afraid of me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but most importantly, have they seen the Muppet Christmas Carol? Have you guys seen the Muppet Christmas Carol? I think a long time ago, but the Muppets never really was a one that actually stayed here in the house. They didn't particularly like, enjoy the Muppets. Sounds like you because have a past the Godfather, man. the Godfather pushed out. Said, <laughs> oh, but, um, you know, they like Christopher Nolan's films, so I'm I'm pretty good. There. You could replace Godfather Three with Muppet Christmas, and that would be fine. Yeah, just All you right. know, they can be switched exactly. out right. pretty Thank easily. Thank you, ladies, for contributing. Cool. So Please. you can leave now. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> They're so cute. Okay, thank you. I'll remedy. We'll have a better Christmas this year as a result of this episode. Eyes wide shut. Have, no, you have. <laughs> wow. You have literally right, well, see, a, I mean, a week Christmas, to prepare. Christmas movies is not big here, man. To be honest, I'm not a I'm not a big Christmas movie fan. I think it's all. Uh, Lee and I did an episode on uh, the original uh, Miracle on 34th Street, and we just tore it apart because of how crappy it is you know the the whole idea of the oh man it's it is a pleasure to rip apart and you know that the, the little girl wants a house you know she but she's basically how saying she, she wants a home and then santa you know it's just these these weird things and plus i mean you have this woman that's actually a, kind of a strong female character who's being told shut the fuck up just go to macy's and shop and you should be fine and it's just like really old mentality of like get back in the kitchen woman terrible fucking movie but anyway and people are like i like watching that during christmas it's like why it doesn't make any sense for our society anymore do you but like anyway, in Eyes Wide Shut, Tom Cruise being told to get back in the kitchen? And play doctor? I mean, basically, at the end of the film, as Hiro mentioned, he's a failure. He tries to go out on the uh, the, the wild side, uh, interacts with a prostitute that propositions him. Uh, mm -hmm. I guess a patient's daughter uh, who doesn't really – she doesn't have the best timing to uh, come on to Tom Cruise. I'll grant her that with her dead She's father. She's going after the wedding crashers thing, Which man. Is, where, that's uh, part of where, Christmas, uh, though, isn't it? Death is nature's most powerful Death aphrodisiac. Family, you know? <laughs> but, I mean, essentially, Tom Cruise comes back home weeping 
saying, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about all my failures and all of my wants, but I was not able to achieve them. Uh, and seems perfectly happy to just be with the, his wife, be with his family. Like it's, I, I think it's a weird for a film. That's like, I, I won't say sex positive, but it's definitely showing a lot of characters who treat it as something that doesn't, doesn't have the, the same importance as the Tom Cruise character who, who finds it shocking that his wife would fantasize about having sex with another man. Uh, I think it's it's kind of weird that uh, Tom Cruise is playing a character that's basically like, can I please just come back home and have my normal, quote-unquote, existence, my monogamy? Can I have my Christmas with my wife and daughter? I don't think it's something we expect from like a male lead, especially like a movie star like Tom Cruise. I think we expect we expect uh, Ryan Gosling from Crazy Stupid Love or Steve Carell where to get back on the uh, the horse, he has sex with nine women or more. If you're Ryan Gosling, who's counting? But isn't Tom Cruise such a vanilla character in that film, though? Like he is—he is the portrayal of vanilla man. Uh, <laughs> the American. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good. If you're a vanilla man, that's that's awesome casting to have yeah. rich Tom Cruise play. I'll you. take it. <laughs> yeah. I would like to be a vanilla man. <laughs> I don't find this too insulting so far. Tom well, Cruise. I mean, I mean, there's you know he has there's nothing to him as a person. You know, he, as you're saying, he doesn't know who he is. And, you know, he's kind of like the, 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 the last flavor. There's Actually, too I'm many saying the opposite. Flavors in the... I'm saying he, really? knows, he knows exactly who he is. And he's coming to terms with the fact that his wife's more interesting than him. He, tra- he attempts to be yeah. interesting and it doesn't fit. You know, sometimes, you know, you, you can't wear that, uh, that particular glove. So it's just not the lifestyle for him. Yeah, he knows that he's the last resort. He is the okay. Tom there's Cruise. only vanilla left in the ice cream. The fall black man. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> hey, this is from Stanley Kubrick's perspective. Okay, he sees the world in a very strange way. Uh, a very like yeah, and no wonder he spent two and a half years making this thing. He really was like trying to get to know this these characters and understand them. You know, the the amount of time that he spent making this. Uh, perfect Christmas film, as Mike calls it. Um, mm-hmm. My words. You know, it's, Somewhere uh, in this episode, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> so, I guess, do we have anything else to add about Eyes Wide Shut or Home Alone or It's a <laughs> no, Wonderful Life? No, there's nothing else to say I about Eyes Wide Shut. to add on Eyes Wide Shut is just not in the Christmas context. <laughs> so, the, the final uh, dialogue in Eyes Wide Shut is a very... Um, you know, suggestive, what do you want? And Nicole Kidman's answer is fuck. Well, to fuck, essentially. Uh, is that really, you know, when you go to your Christmas tree, is that what you expect to see under the Christmas tree? I, I have a dream of that. I don't know. I don't know if I expect yeah. it, but. Yeah, I don't Yeah. Well, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> I'm sort of back by it. Like... I mean, ideally it would be there, but really does what, what am I happen? picturing in my head right now? Well, Nicole Kidman just sitting under, wrapped in, I mean, she, I hope you put, okay, poked so that's, holes that's in the, the box or something like, like I see my girlfriend butt naked with a wrapper underneath the Christmas tree. Is that oh, what I'm... Okay, okay, all right, all right. That's, you know, that... we're already explicit enough. Um, Are we, though? This is a kid-friendly <laughs> show now? Is this what it is? I'm just asking you if that's the picture I'm supposed to have in my head. <laughs> Whatever picture you want. Uh, all see, I'm I think, Andrew, I think you're the Tom Cruise character. I think you're the one that the you don't want to dive tree. into this. You don't want to dive into these fantasies. Shut. It's weird. It looks good, though. <laughs> huh? With the ribbon, yeah. What color do you want? I'll get one this year. You don't know? All right, well, put it on your list. 
right. <laughs> so, thank you, Andrew. Should be interesting. I'll send you guys like Jason Man explaining what she needs to ask for Christmas. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> I, she has all her Christmas gifts now. I only need to ri- get a ribbon. <laughs> oh, why did I ask that? Why did I ask that? I, I want to. I want to thank I, I, our Australian and Canadian friend for making us Americans look so decent and good. Oh, just a yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's his image. It's not. My, I'm just trying to follow along. <laughs> I will say, Andrew, to answer your question, I think I. You know, I actually like that final sequence. I, I like that. Uh, that Nicole Kidman's character takes that and runs with it. You know, she she never. She doesn't kind of fall back into family life like Tom Cruise does, as you know, Mike was saying that that's all he wants to do is kind of go home and into the comfort of his family life. And she wants to continue exploring her little you know, sexual side, her you know, fantasies or whatever. Man, let's do this. She was she she's embracing all that, and I like it. I mean, it, it, it I think it's a a little bit of a jar, not a jar, but it's just kind of a funny way to end the movie. It's a very kind of smash cut, but at the same time, I like what it implies. I like that. Throughout this entire movie, and she's frustrated with her marriage. She's just sad that it's kind of not going that the, the tenderness side of it or the the commitment side of it hasn't gone the way she wanted it to, or the way she probably signed up. But you know, if she's gonna get some uh, some good times, that she could you know satiate some of her other aspects of her life or her her feelings, then so be it. She's taking that and run with it. I I, I dig that aspect of it. I think it's a quit your bullshit uh, line. To, to end, and which is funny because it's, this is an art film. I mean, it's a Kubrick film, so you expect a certain amount of bullshit, or, or at least enough to where you can kick things around and different ideas. So it is, it does come across as unexpected, and it is like one big joke. One, the punchline, of the joke is like, as Andrew said, to fuck. That's it. That's what we've been trying to talk about this entire time, but we're talking around it. Uh, even the sex orgy. You know, is at least in the original incarnation was was really goofy. Unfortunately, in the the American theatrical release, it was very Austin Powers, where he had cloaks blocking every sex act possible. Yeah, I um, wish they did block them in this one, man, because some of them are doing it like they're at a mosh pit or something. They're like, I, I don't understand what you're doing. Like, like he's got like Pantera playing his headphones. While all right, he's all right, sex. Tom Cruise, vanilla <laughs> Tom Cruise. There, I don't know. I I, I actually ordered the British uh, version of Eyes Wide Shut, so that there's no censorship in it at all. So I mean, it, it actually looks much better because it makes more sense. But I think the contrast, which you were talking about, Mike, a little bit earlier, and you guys, you know, to fuck because most of the time, whenever you're talking about something that would happen at Christmas, Christmas would be about love you know what i mean and so if you have that contrast with uh you know if kidman actually goes out and says we have to make love it sounds kitsch it sounds like she's saying we have to head back into the whole family the the whole illusion go back into our weird personas but to fuck is exactly what andrew was saying where she says we have to fuck this masquerade now this is exactly what we need to do and we're going to reconnect in our most basic way and I think that was a really great line to finish the movie on. And it is shocking to a certain extent. When you break it down, you're like, yeah, that's exactly what they need to do is they got to relieve some sort of tension during Christmas because this is fucked up. Well, the, the problem started when she talked at length and openly and tried to get her husband to talk and engage. And I think, yeah. I think this scene, it is funny and it's, you know, it's very coarse line. It's very to the point, but it's also like, I think it's, kind of sweet because she's come to an understanding about her husband that he's just not comfortable engaging at length about sex really and so she's just gonna have to take the lead there and say this is all it is 
Like you don't you don't need to worry about it. You think about it the way you want to think about it. I think about it the way I want to think about it. But we're still going to engage in this act together. And we're just, I'm just not going to try to get you to talk at least at this point in time because he is a he is a beaten man at that point. You know, he's he's had a he's, lot of. He's never really had to work for it though, right? The thing is that if he walks that's in, that's an excellent like, point. Uh, who pointed out? Who 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 uh, pointed out? Uh, uh, was it in the Slack? I think it was Hiro who says that he says he's a doctor a lot. Yeah. He just throws that around and he kept women come to see him at one point during the party he's walking around with two women. It's very easy for him to get that. He's never really had to communicate anything. But now with his wife, it's completely different. She's called him on his bullshit. He has a very knowing smile when like when women start to flirt with him where he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. this again, along, this yeah. happens all the time yeah. to me. Yeah, exactly. I feel like Jesse should probably talk a little bit on this because the the guys are now we're getting too into this fantasy of like, yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise just gets all the chicks. That's great. Great (laughs) character. I mean, except for me, I'm not a Tom Cruise fan. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) Listen, he's you like one of the, was it the wet bandits? One, one half of those two. Yes. Yeah. Daniel Stern. Yeah. No, I like to me, he's kind of a director's actor. Like it, it depends on who's directing him. They can usually pull a decent performance out of him. But if you just like plop him down in front of a camera, I don't think that he has any like imagination, vision or talent of his own, um, which makes him actually pretty suitable for this Dr. Bill character who has similarly no real imagination. And he does have that knowing smile. He's like, oh, yeah, I know what's going on. But he never actually goes through with anything so it's like he kind of comes right up against flirting with the idea of actually fucking and then he never does it and then his wife's the one to bring it up she's like well this is clearly what we have to do um I was a little like again this is my first time watching it I was a little thrown by it mostly because I felt like a lot of the movie was the uh the conflict of two humans trying to reach each other. And to me, the expression fuck as opposed to make love or even just like have sex is very basic and animalistic. And it's like, okay, well, are you going to be connecting on a physical level or are you trying to connect on a human level? Because if you're just going for the physical level, then yeah, sure. Clearly the answer answer is let's fuck. But if you're actually trying to connect on a human level, which it seemed like they were trying to do, especially with her long protracted, here's my ridiculous fantasy thing that I'm going to draw out in great detail for you. Like, it seems like she's trying to connect on a human level rather than a surface level, which is where fucking is always kind of a sign for me. So I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm conflicted about it. It's, See, I read it's that appropriate. Is, is that she, I, I've read that she has, she takes great offense at being called his wife when he like reinforces that her identity is like, you're my wife and I would never do this to you. And I'm your husband, and the, yeah. this is sacrosanct. And I, I really like her reaction to that. Which she also backs down from the word forever. You know, she yes, makes yeah. a point to like, yes. hey, man, let's settle that down, man. Let's just get to business. <laughs> and I find it then very interesting that the same year that Eyes Wide Shut came out, that um, Tom Cruise went and released a, well, he did Magnolia, which is, uh, you know, his character in Magnolia is almost the polar opposite of the character in Eyes Wide Shut. Um, he knows exactly what he wants and he runs seminars telling people exactly how to get what they want, uh, which is really fascinating to see this, these two aspects of this one character. And then of course, uh, not so long afterwards, uh, they got divorced. Uh, so, you know, huge help for, uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman's marriage, uh, both of those films. And Merry Christmas. Point, another, uh, another powerful <laughs> director kind of, you know, directing traffic on, on old Tom Cruise there. 
I actually think that's a really that's a really good mm. point that Jesse brings up because I love Tom Cruise. Uh, no, I know Jason loves Tom Cruise. Uh, I think everyone should love Tom Cruise. So I'm hoping. Sorry, to, guys. I'm hoping <laughs> that you'll get there eventually. But that, that's one yeah. of my chief complaints of his uh, career of late is. I mean, you look at his filmography from the 80s and 90s. He was in the hands of great filmmakers. I mean, going from, you know, uh, he had Scorsese in the 80s. And to Andrew's point, in the same year, going from Kubrick to Paul Thomas Anderson, he really threw himself into projects with, like, true artists. And maybe that's why he was so successful, is that he can just be molded into whatever movie star shape they need him to be. But, um, yeah, I'm hoping he gets back to that and does less action sci-fi stuff that he's been doing of late he's been mm. kind of hanging out with doug lyman quite a bit in the last three four films i'm uh, a big go fan that can be our next christmas go. episode but i i'm not going to put the lyman Ooh. on the uh the same level as kubrick or pta unfortunately no. sorry no for sure but i do love go that's a great movie me but too he's got, i'm down yeah he's got uh, top gun maverick coming up who knows who's gonna who's gonna <laughs> take him to the stratosphere there for old jesse but uh mm. <laughs> That, that very much sounded like the, the, the Bill Harford character trying to talk sexy, like, take you to the stratosphere. <laughs> uh, uh, good, there we go. Now we shifted it back to the Americans, Andrew. Now we're not the only dirty fuckers around. So I thought cool. it. I was like, I'm not going to get into that. Now. Yeah. If you just wait long enough, it's bound to happen. That's it. Sure. Very uh, true. Keep that in mind. Thank you, Andrew, for teaching me. So... I guess, look, I mean, does anybody else have anything else to add? Otherwise, I think the turkey is about done. Uh, and I think that, you know, this has been a very enlightening discussion about Christmas, what it means to be Christmas, uh, and, you know, what families do around Christmas time as well is it, very fascinating. I've, I've learned a lot. This has felt like a, a tourist in uh, everybody's house in some regards and, and understanding what people are going through. It's been um Strange, to say the least, uh, but okay. enlightening. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, any final thoughts at all? Uh, otherwise, I'll wrap this up and, and we'll listen to some uh, fade-out music. Dead silence. I'm going to take that as a no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. Happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays. Yeah, yeah, that's it. There you go. Look, no, we won't. We won't fade out. What's a Christmas message that everybody has? Uh, you know, that isn't. Go and troll your local uh, supermarkets for sex. Oh, uh, I thought that was it. I thought that was the actual message we were going for. Here. Yeah, I feel like I have to throw away my notes now. Um, well, I, I hope that uh, I've given Jesse the, the gift of Eyes Wide Shut. And uh, like me, she comes around to it. Because as I said, I, I really appreciate this film now. So I guess it's like... Uh, like being an old man and like getting like socks or something as a kid or a sweater. And now I'm like, Oh cool. I actually need socks. So thank you for that. That's, that's, that's Kubrick's final masterpiece is socks at Christmas. <laughs> well, I hope that Jason, uh, kind of his Christmas turns out. Okay. Considering the plans that he was making here on the podcast with the ribbons <laughs> and whatnot, I hope that uh, works out for you, buddy. <laughs> no, man, I, I was just kidding. Uh, Christmas is going to be really great here. Uh, we, we have a plan. I was supposed to go home for uh, to see my parents and all that, but we canceled that because, you know, it gets a little dangerous driving on the roads and all that, but it's going to be just me and the kids with my girlfriend here, and it's going to be really, really fun. So, I mean, tight-knit group, everything is going to be kind of relaxed, you know, so that's what I wish that everybody can be able to relax during the holiday season because that's exactly what it's for, you know, spend time with the people that are closest to you and have a great time. Yeah. 
And my favorite Christmas message is always is, you know, honor Christmas and try to keep it all the year. Whatever Christmas is to you, if it's being a little bit nicer to people, if it's smiling easier, if it's, you know, giving uh, the gift of yourself or the gift of gift of appreciation, keep it all year. Don't just save it for like wintry December. I like that. Because I think that uh, what listeners can really take from that is to download and listen to this episode every day, not just exactly. on Christmas week. We'd appreciate it. Every day. I have two podcasts. Yeah. I'm trying to give myself to everyone year-round. Just two? <laughs> That's a week. I'm going yeah, daily. Well. That's my goal. I have no idea how you guys do it. <laughs> we don't have time for this uh, opening uh, the, the ribbon underneath the tree. That's why. We, we, we ignore our family and loved ones and do multiple podcasts. So subscribe. There you go. Uh, I don't know. Where can you find everybody? How about that? Jason? Yeah. Uh, you can find me yourself. on Twitter at Jason B. I, I Michael. Uh, Atlantic Screen Connection podcast as well, so Atlantic SC. Uh, send us your tweets. We'll answer when we get there. Go see The Last Jedi. It's fantastic. Love you all. Take care. I love that you're taking time to promote uh, a film that really needs it. <laughs> it really needs that promotion. <laughs> I just want to slap the people that are giving it so much hate for no fucking reason. Hiro. Thank you. Uh, I think that's your cue. There it is. You can find me <laughs> and my better half at the True Romance Film Podcast. Uh, our most recent episode covers The Last Jedi, and it, uh, yeah, it's covering The Last Jedi. So you can find us there or at followingfilms.com. I'll jump in for a second. Uh, AB Film Review for me um, and my wife, Bernadette. Um, that's really about it. We talk about films and stuff. Uh, go and see Paddington 2, people. There you go. That's that. You want something joyous to go and watch? Go and watch Paddington 2. Uh, put the money in uh, the non-Disney coffers. <clears throat> uh, so that's my suggestion. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter if, if you want to. You don't have to. Uh, no, Jesse, they're great. what about you? Follow them. Well, I'm just floating around on Twitter at search to find you. Nothing special, but if you ever want to chat about movies, I'm there. Yeah, it sounds like Mike's dog is uh, going to follow you right away. Uh, he was just he was you? just doing my promo spot. I think he was saying something about uh, Paddington Two uh, supporting the Weinstein Company or something. He's very he's very very knowledgeable of that. I'm just <laughs> gonna leave that part out. <laughs> <laughs> you, you went after Disney, uh, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, wait, who who released that? Anyway, I hope it's some other company that got the rights to Paddington. But uh, they did. They yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Follow me at uh, Projecting Film, and uh, I talk movies. Uh, more importantly, at Marcus Played. I probably should, uh, we should probably promote that. So, yeah, Marcus played uh, Pod. How about that? Why are you shaking your head, Andrew? I mean, what people need to know what the hell this is. Do we use War Machine anymore? No, we don't do that one anymore. I I consider that a personal account. (laughs) Oh, okay, so don't follow that. Michael, get angry. (laughs) There, that's the perfect ending. (laughs) (laughs) Begging in the rain must feel just like giving up. And you know, there is something very important that we need to do as soon as possible. What's that?